This morning, we're going to continue talking about, we've been talking about standing firm for about 10 weeks. We've been talking about spiritual warfare. And we've talked the last couple of weeks about the weapons of our warfare. And we talked about the name of Jesus and how powerful that is. Well, this morning, I just want to talk a little bit about praise and worship, okay? And I want to share a psalm with you in a few minutes. But there's a, a very common weapon that is used in warfare that, that very often people are not aware of. And it's called psychological warfare. It, it's, it's done to get inside a person's head. It's where uh, literally you get inside the, person's, the, the enemy's head before you ever fire a shot. Uh, in the ancient world, uh, very often uh, the night before a battle, one of the sides would begin to beat drums, and they would beat the drums all night long. Okay, there's no rest. There's no, no way to sleep, no way to get that last little bit of shut-eye before the battle. It's just incessant, incessant. Uh, they, they would very often, they would stage squads of soldiers with torches in different places, and they would march around, and it would give the impression that there were more uh, on the on the that side than they're on our side, and it would it create fear. Uh, this other one, th- this next one is is a little bit you know it it's, it may not be PG, but it's reality. Okay, very often the the one side would capture soldiers and capture civilians, and they would torture them the night before. And in the darkness, you could hear the screams. And and I don't know if you've ever heard anything like that before, but it makes your blood run cold. In World War II, uh, many of you have heard of Tokyo Rose. Uh, she was a, a, a radio personality uh, in Japan who would broadcast to the GIs. And, and she would, you know, all, all her stuff was, you know, uh, you're going to lose, you need to give up. And it, it, was, it was designed to create fear and, and uncertainty. The, the German bombers, the, the Luftwaffe, would, would come. And, and it was terrible enough when the, when the waves of the bombers would come, but they had sirens mounted, sirens mounted on the bottom of their planes, which would, would compete with the bomb sirens, and it would just cause chaos. And even in Vietnam... Uh, the the Americans would play rock and roll music as loud as they could play it. Now, some of you may think that's all it's good for, but but it created it created chaos. And so, it, it's a tool that the enemy uses very often in our lives. Uh, how many of you have ever heard him whisper a lie? Condemnation. Remind you what you were. And because of what you were, this is all you'll ever be. You ever heard those? You ever you ever heard those things? The reason he does that is because he wants to get in our head and confuse us, and he wants to create uncertainty. He wants to he wants to create fear. All of us have heard those whispers, and, and I'll bet many of you have heard some of those whispers this morning. Okay. That's why when we often come to our, our time of praise and worship, and, and I just I want to define what I mean by that, okay? Praise and worship begins the minute we begin. Charles, begin, he's a worship leader. He, he doesn't realize this, but he's a worship leader. Even the announcements are worship, worship, okay? And they continue through the songs. They continue through the preaching, through the giving, to the last prayer. That's all prayer and worship, all right? We don't sing to warm you up so that you can hear a message, all right? 
We sing the Word of God. We sing songs that, that have Scripture in them. Uh, they may not be the songs that necessarily we all grew up with, but they're filled with Scripture. They come right out of, 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 the, of the Psalms, many of them. And all of that is worship and praise. And so at this church, we believe the praise starts the minute we start. And hopefully it doesn't end when we say amen. We take it with us, our praise and our worship, into the week. But what happens is it, 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 it literally, it, it, it changes the atmosphere. But very often when we come to this time of praise and worship, we've heard the whispers. We've heard the lies. And instead of being focused on God, we're still focused on what went wrong and what I did here and how I messed up there and how I'll never amount to anything and how on and on and on. And, and very often we come to worship discouraged. We come depressed. We come shame-filled. We come sleepy because the night before we didn't get a lot of sleep because the enemy wouldn't leave us alone. We come with our attention on a lot of other things instead of being excited and anticipating what God was going to do and being hungry for an encounter with God. Now, all of that can change if we will just simply use a weapon God has put at our disposal that we can use anywhere and at any time. Doesn't matter what the hour is, doesn't matter the location. Doesn't matter whether you can sing or not sing. Doesn't matter whether you can play an instrument or not. That weapon is worship. Worship changes the atmosphere. I promise you this. If you're in a situation at work, I just challenge you this week. You're in a situation at work, it's not good. You just start to worship and praise. Well, how do I do that? Well, you may sing. You don't have to sing out loud, but if you want to, you can. You may just begin to thank God, Lord, I praise you. I just worship you because you're worthy. I, I, I praise you because you love me and you've taken care of me. And all of a sudden, you know what? The atmosphere changes. The swirling stops and you can begin to see clearly. Worship is a psychological weapon, okay? And it works on the enemy. When we begin to praise God and we begin to worship God, he can't handle it. Okay? He'll do everything he can to stop it. He'll, he'll throw monkey wrenches in, in the sound, and, and, and if you, we're using projection in that, he'll, he'll do his best to steal voices. He, he'll, he'll, get, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll pluck a wrong note. But he cannot stop it. Okay? He cannot stop it. Worship comes from our heart. It's not something that we do, folks. It's something literally that we are. God created us to worship. It's a part of our makeup. And it really is a, a weapon that, that, that just creates devastation in this camp. It, it's kind of like many of you uh, can remember early on in Iraq, they, they called it shock and awe, the, the bombing campaign. That's what worship is. It's a shock and awe weapon. It really is. But I said this earlier. The most wonderful part about it is it's not about the devil. It has nothing to do with Satan and everything to do with Jesus. See, when we focus our attention on Jesus and we worship, everything changes. Every situation changes. The future changes. Our past changes. Everything changes. 
Praise and worship is all about God. Literally, my definition of it is, and I'll, I'll use I'll use the word "my" instead of "us." It's the release of my love for God in thought, word, or deed. That's what worship is. It's not necessarily a song. It could be an act. It may not be something I do. It may be something I say. It could be a testimony. But praise and worship is about releasing our love, letting what's in here out. Now, here's the thing. If there's nothing in here, I can't manufacture it. Worship and praise comes out of the overflow that's in here. There's no overflow in here. I'm not full in here. Then what I'm doing is plastic. Okay, it's it's not real. It's not real. The thing is, it, it can be a statement. It can be a, a, a verbal testimony. It can be a song. It can be a prayer. It can be a testimony. It can be a hand clap. It can be lifting your hands. It can be a bowed knee and a bowed head. It can be with tears or without tears. It can be with laughter or without laughter. It can be with a dance. Now, don't, don't leave yet, okay? Because I'm going to read it right out of Scripture. But, but you know what? You can worship and dance. King David danced before the Lord. Okay? Dance was a, a regular part of Jewish worship. We, just don't, we, don't, we don't think about it. We don't realize that. But it can be, or you know what? It can be just like this. It's okay. Here's what I'm trying to say. There is no cookie-cutter form of praise and worship. God did not say, this is what I want and this is all I want. God said, I want all this. I want all this. And you know what he did? He created people who, when they do those specific things, there's a release in their spirit. There's a freedom. Not all of us are free to do this. Amen. There are some of you out there that, that you just can't do this. And it, you know what? It's okay. You just can't do it. Some of you can't do this. Some of you, if your life depended on it, couldn't dance. Okay? Or wouldn't dance. Let me put it that way. You could, but you wouldn't. Some of you would never stand up in a public service and give a verbal testimony because you, you're, you, that's just not who you are. And you know what? That's okay. God has put in you a way to worship Him. Some of you worship by, by serving people and, and doing things for people. There's, there's a myriad, as many people as there are uh, here, there are that many ways to worship God. And you know what? When we worship Him with all our might, whether it's serving, it's giving a, little, a boy or a little girl a drink of water or some Kool-Aid at Vacation Bible School, or it's singing with our voice, or it's just waving our arms. You know, I stand up here. I know some of you think, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just waving my arms, okay? I can't sing. I mean, I sing. It just doesn't sound real good. And I know it, okay? I know it. But God didn't say, now, so I want you to sing with a beautiful voice. He said, make a joyful noise. And I'm going to make a noise. And here's what I've learned. I'm going to do it with everything that's within me. Okay, if I, if I can't sing, I'm going to lift my hands as high as I can lift them. I'm going to clap as loud as I can. If I can sing, I'm just going to sing. I, I tap up here. All, I'm just like, you may think, 
the pastor's going to fall over. No, I'm dancing, okay? It's just the way I dance. I can't jump up and down like, like the younger folks do. I don't have enough energy, all right? So I just move my feet. My point is, is that it can be loud, it can be soft, it can be alone, or it can be along with a corporate body. Praise and worship, you can't just say this, this is praise and worship. And what's happened is all of us come out of other churches and out of other, uh, I'm not going to use the word denominations, but other groups, other streams. That's the word I like, other streams. And every stream has its worship and it has its traditions. And there's nothing wrong with traditions as long as they're biblical. But what we've done is we've made traditions the Bible instead of taking the Bible and building our traditions on them. Okay? So there's no condemnation on the streams. It's just, you know what? We can all swim in the water the way we swim. All right? It, there's freedom in this place. Now, the thing is, is that whenever we offer true praise, real praise, and real worship, everything within us, our whole being, is focused on God. Worship is the one thing you cannot do and do something else at the same time. I don't care if you're a multitasker. You can't multitask worship, okay? You're either focused on God or you're not. If you're not, it's not worship. It's an outward expression, folks, of our inward love of the only one who's worthy of it. There is no one else worthy of the, of the love that's within us. Now, Satan hates worship, okay? Unless it's directed at him. I want you to think about that. I'm fixing to say some things that may make you angry, but it's reality. Many Bible teachers and, and theologians would say that Satan was the worship leader in heaven. And I don't have a problem with that before the fall. I, 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 I kind of lean that way based on the way that, that the Scriptures describe the way he was made. I mean, he, he, was, a, he was not just a beautiful creature. He, he, was, a, he was an instrument. There were all kinds of, of, of things on him as a part of him. And so I, I don't have an issue with that. And so... I think he probably was the worship leader, but he got enamored with himself. It's easy. How many of you know it's easy to fall in love with yourself? I really? Yes. My, my, my. Don't you look good this morning. You won't hear that in my bathroom, okay? Unless somebody else says it. But, but... We, it's easy to fall in love with ourselves. It's easy to fall in love with, with the talents that we have and the things that we do right. He fell in love with himself. And Scripture says pride rose up within him. And God cast him out. He rebelled against God and God cast him out. It's interesting. Uh, now he wants everybody to worship him. That was, that was one of the things uh, that he wanted. He, he wanted the angels to bow down and worship him instead of God. It wasn't along with God. It was instead of God. And so when he comes and he begins to tempt Jesus, what's one of the things he asks for? If you'll just bow down before me, I'll give you this and that and all of this and all of that. 
See, that's the same temptation that he presents to us every day. If you'll just worship me, if you'll just give in to this, you'll give in to that. You'll take this instead of that. If you'll just do this instead of that. So it's the same thing. And here's the thing. If we're not worshiping and praising God, listen to what we're doing. We're worshiping and praising Him. There is no neutral position. You can't shift your your worship into neutral. Either you're praising and worshiping God, or you're praising and worshiping the enemy. You say, well, I, I don't worship the devil. But your lifestyle may. Your words may. Your thoughts may. Your actions may. Your tongue may. Folks, we were created to worship. And here's the thing about human beings. We will worship something. It may be our job. It may be our family. It may be our children. It may be our grandchildren. It may be a hobby. We're not static. And and the bottom line is, if, if we are worshiping anything other than God, we are in essence, worshiping the enemy. Okay, now having said that, I want you to turn to Psalms 149. And I'm going to read this this whole psalm this morning, and we're just going to talk a little bit of it, about it, and uh, and just see what, what God wants to say to us this morning. Psalm 149 begins this way. Praise the Lord. That word, that, that, those three words, praise the Lord, is hallelujah. That's, that's what it is in Hebrew. Hallelujah. No matter what language in, in the world, they, they use that word, hallelujah. It, it, it means praise the Lord. Hallel is praise. Yah, J-A-H, is God. Praise God. That's what it means. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And it's praise in the congregation of the godly ones. So, so congregational praise is something we should do. He says, Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name. Here it is, with dancing. If you need a biblical text, you're going to draw a circle around that one, okay? If you don't dance, it's okay. There's a lot of other ways, he says, to praise him. Let him sing, let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the lyre. Now, a timbrel is a tambourine, okay? It's a hand drum, okay? That's, that's all it is. And the lyre, L-Y-R-E, is, is a stringed instrument. It's a, it's, a, it's a harp. We don't play harps. We play guitars, okay? They're stringed instruments. For the Lord, listen to this, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. That word salvation literally means deliverance from whatever situation that that person's in. He will will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation or deliverance. Let the godly ones exult, E-X-U-L-T. That word means to jump for joy. Okay, that's what that means. I got on up there, didn't I? My coach told me in high school that you couldn't put a page of the Birmingham News between my feet and the floor when I jumped. 
That'll go. That'll get you in a minute. Okay. But it means to jump for joy. That's literally, and you see that word over and over and over throughout the Old Testament. Exalt, exalt, not exalt, exalt, exalt. Jump for joy in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of arms, to execute on them the judgment written. This is the honor of his godly ones. Praise the Lord. In other words, we're, we're to use praise to bind the enemy with. It chains him up. It puts him in, in, in fetters and irons. It locks him up and he's not able to do what he wants to do in a service or a situation whenever we praise God. Folks, listen to me. The word hallelujah, I, I just told you, is, is the word for praise God. Hallel, praise, Yah, God. Praise the Lord. Over and over and over you see it in Scripture in the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen to me. When the hallelujahs go up, God's presence comes down. His power comes down. Folks, we ought to praise Him. We ought to shout His glory. God is good. His loving kindness is forever and ever and ever. We bless the Lord this morning. Father, we just bless you. We praise you. Hallelujah. I'll never forget the first time I went to Israel. And we went to, I'm going to make sure I get the pool right, the Pool of Bethesda, I think it was. And next door to it is, is a church. And, and, it's, and I can't remember their names. It tells you what kind of Protestant I am, okay? I'm just telling you. I, it's, it's mother of, 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 and the father of Mary. And it's a church that's, that's there in honor of them. And the thing about this church is, is that when you go in, the acoustics are unbelievable. I mean, you can hear one person singing like they're amplified on a microphone. And people from all over the world come in this church, and they just sing. They just start to sing groups. And it's interesting. You would, hear, you would see Africans and you would see people from, from Eastern Europe, and you would see people from, from uh, the Far East, and they would be singing, and you could hear this, this, this symphony of words that you didn't understand, but every once in a while you would hear hallelujah, and it would be just as clear as a bell. We'd be singing the same song with the same words, and we'd get to that one word, and it would be the same. It was, it was like heaven in there. In fact, I could still be sitting there listening to those songs. It was, it was just beautiful. Even I sounded good in there. It made the shower, it made the shower pale in comparison. It was just beautiful. And, and, and it, was just, it was just praise. And God says, sing a new song to the Lord. Now listen to me. You can't sing if your jaw is locked and your lips are out of gear. Okay? You cannot sing. You have to open your mouth. And you would say, well, I don't sing very well. I don't either. In fact, there's probably a handful of people here that sing really well, okay? And they don't think they sing very well. Most of us don't think we sing very well. But we're not singing for each other. We're singing for one who hears not the tone, not the off key, not the height or the low of the note, but who hears our heart. 
See, it's the voice of our heart that comes out. That's what God hears. And the thing is, is if you're singing praise and you're singing worship, it's a beautiful sound to God. It's a beautiful sound. So you have to open your mouth. And, and here's another thing. Praise and worship is the overflow of what has happened during the week. Here's a rule of thumb. You can write this down. If you haven't praised or worshipped during the week, guess what? You won't praise and worship when you get here. You may sing songs. You may clap your hands. You may jump up and down. But if you haven't worshipped before you got here, it won't be worshipped when you get here. Coming into this place and, and being led by worship leaders and, and good musicians and, and great singers doesn't make it praise and worship. Okay? If we haven't worshipped during the week. Okay? You know what? Sometimes it's hard to worship during the week. Some things, sometimes stuff's tough. But if you'll learn to worship in whatever you're doing, Folks, when you get here, it'll be a release. You see, if you, if you just worship here, it's just mouthing words. That's really all it is. And it's, it's, it's really a schedule. And, and sadly, most of us out of the traditions we've come out have learned the schedule. Three songs. And as somebody I'll not name, three songs, a poem, and a sermon. And, and that's it. Folks, real worship's not about a schedule. Well, it is. It's his schedule. It's not our schedule. It's the schedule of the Holy Spirit. And so if, if we don't come here ready to worship God and to give Him praise, what happens is we're just going through a schedule that will eventually land us from here, when I get everything marked off, to the restaurant. And when I get through at the restaurant, then to the couch at home and a nap in the afternoon. Okay? Listen to me. And, and I don't mean this ugly. It would have done you a lot better to have stayed on the couch this morning. Okay, if that's what you needed. Because you didn't worship. Say, well, else that's kind of hard. It's kind of true. Okay? We don't have to praise God. Okay? Listen to me. We get to praise God. That, there, that's the difference. We don't have to praise Him. We get to. We get to. I, I never read this passage. And, and one of the things that, that, that I've tried to do, and, 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 and I've been pretty, you know, followed through with it pretty well, is I made a decision, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, that I was going to read the Bible through every year. And here's the thing. That sounds like some big, huge deal. It's really not if you just get a schedule, okay? And there's lots of schedules out there. Uh, we have one in our little calendar. Uh, my, the schedule I started with that I was going to read three chapters in the Old and two chapters in the New. That meant at the end of the year I would have read the Old Testament through one time and the New Testament through twice. And and I started to do that. And God began to build into my life things that, that I couldn't believe. I mean, he, he began to show me things and teach me things. And there's a place in the New Testament that just, it grips me. Every time I read it. And it's where Jesus comes into Jerusalem in the triumphant processional. And the people are shouting, Hosanna, uh, the son of David has come. And they're just glory. They're worshiping. 
And, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders come to Jesus and they tell Jesus, make them stop. Make them stop. And here's what Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 40. I tell you, if they become silent, the stones will cry out. That bothers me. It grabs hold of me. Rocks. I wish I had a dollar for every rock I've thrown in Bayview Lake, okay, at my granny's house. Rocks don't say anything. But Jesus says, if my people don't praise me, you know what? The rocks will. They'll start to cry out. Folks, I'm not going to let a rock cry out for me. I may look like a rock, and I may act like a rock sometimes, but I'm going to praise God. Folks, he deserves it. He deserves it. Now, here's the deal. Private worship is necessary if we're going to make sense out of our public worship. In other words, there has to be something that balances us. And you know where you learn to worship publicly? You learn to do it privately. Find you a place. It might be in your bathroom. It might be in your closet. It may be your recliner. It may be out uh, in the field if you have some property. Maybe where you, you ride the, 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 the mower deck. It, it, it could be anywhere, okay? Just where it's just you and God. And learn to praise Him and worship Him by yourself. Figure out what you're comfortable with. You'll be surprised at how the... The uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The fear will fall off of you when you get by yourself. You'll be surprised what you'll do. Okay, you'll be surprised. Find a place you can shout, and they won't call the police on you. Okay, find a place that 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 you can you can sing, or that you can take a whirl and dance or that you can just clap or, or that, that you can lie down on your face you know what you can lie on your face and worship God just as good as you can stand and, and lift your hands but find you a place folks listen to me God could care less whether you can keep the beat whether you can stay on key where you can reach this note or that note your ability is not the issue folks it's your availability it's our availability are we willing to do it it's our willingness to surrender and not do what I want but give God what he's worthy of okay I remember the first time I lifted my hands in a worship service it's like I have been set free. I mean, I'd grown up like this, and I'll talk more about that in a little bit, okay? But I'd grown up like this. My gosh, the only time we moved was turn the page in the hymnal, okay? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying that's how I grew up. That was the way I was brought up. And and I looked over at my daddy, and he's... Anyway, he'd been brought up that way too, and, and I figured, okay, that's how I'm supposed to act. And I can just remember the first time I did that. It was like my arms had been set free. I was out of cocoon. And I tell you what, if flapping them would get me off the floor, I would, all right? But I'm just saying, it set me free. Now, you know what? It may do nothing for you. Then that's not your thing, 
Okay? That's not, that's not the way God's putting you to worship. But I remember, I, I want to say this first. Praise and worship is not just about singing. Okay? When we were, Kathy and I were in, in, uh, in Brandon in, at Crossgates, where David's a pastor, uh, I saw part of Psalms 149 play out. Now, most of you are not going to really believe this, but while I was at Crossgates, I realized that, that Jackson, Mississippi is a hotbed for ballet. I want you to think about it, okay? Okay, I'm from Birmingham. It's not a cultural center, okay? And Jackson's not a lot different than Birmingham, okay? And I, ballet, I thought, hotbed? It re- I mean, I'm serious. There are some world-renowned ballet troops in Jackson, Mississippi, and they have a festival there every so many years. And they come from all over the world to Jackson, Mississippi. I'm talking about the best of the best. And they have some really good troops there. And one of them is a Christian group. And it's called Ballet Magnificat. And uh, it's, they have a few guys, but most of them are, are young women. And these young, they're, they're, it's, it's a, the difference is they're a Christian ballet troupe. And a lot of these ballerinas would, came to Crossgates to church. And, you know, they would dance in the Christmas plays and in the, the other uh, productions that they would have. But the neat thing, I, I can remember it like it was the first time. We were, we, we, we were singing a song, kind of like the one we just sang at the last, one of those songs. It was, I mean, God was just being glorified. People were just re- relaxed. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this young lady, and she is, she is just... She's dancing, I mean, just, it's like, I'm just like, wow. And the next thing I know, here comes another one. And it was like bumblebees or hummingbirds. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just from nowhere, just, and they were gone. And then they were gone. I thought, wow. Those young women had stood it as long as they could. They got so full of God, they couldn't stand still anymore. And they began to worship God in the way that he had equipped them to worship. And it was some of the most beautiful. It didn't draw attention. It wasn't out of order. It was just beautiful. David told me that when he went there to preach in lieu of a call, he was praying, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, is this where I'm supposed to go? He said he looked up, and there's some stained glass on either side. And he saw somebody dancing in front of the stained glass. And he honestly thought it was an angel. That's what he thought but it was one of the ballerinas. My point is, is that, you know what? If God has equipped you to dance, dance with all your gusto, okay? Dance, shout, clap. Whatever God's called you to do, do it. We worry too much about what everybody else thinks. Amen is the place that goes there. We, we just worry too much because we were raised... With this, if you draw any attention to yourself when you're worshiping, it's not worship. How many of you ever heard something similar to that? Raise your hands. I want you to wave and wave at me. Okay? A lot of us. That's the tradition we were raised in. If you, if you do anything that draws attention to yourself, it's not worship. I heard that till it ran out my ears. Okay? I heard it over and over and over and over. And whenever... Something new crossed the worship scene. We got to hear it again because they were afraid we'd do that stuff, okay? And the pastor would come to the youth meeting and he would say, if you do anything that draws attention to yourself, 
It's not worship. Okay? That's a lie. Okay, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that. The idea is a lie. Okay? We're just too self-conscious. We worry too much about what everybody else thinks. That's why we don't clap our hands. That's why we don't sing. That's why we don't worship. Because we're afraid what the person next to us will think. Folks, if you're worried about the person next to you, you're not focused on God. Who cares what the person next to you thinks? Okay? I'm just being honest. We're talking about worshiping God. Learn to worship God. Folks, what that meant was is that we're all supposed to do the same thing. We held the hymnal and we sang. Now, in some churches, they lifted their hands. We didn't go to those churches. You're never supposed to go to those. That's some other garbage teaching we got, okay? I'm just being honest this morning. I got to get off this before I say something I probably shouldn't. But, but that's what we learned. And, and the, the problem is, is that, that we're self-conscious and we're fearful that God might show up and something might happen, God forbid, that you can't control. That somebody might get excited. I can remember as a little bitty kid in the Methodist church I grew up in, my aunt would come, my great aunt would come. She lived next door to us. And she was not Methodist. And, and, and let me say this, okay, before I, somebody gets upset at me. The Methodist church I got saved in and went to until I was 10 years old, I didn't know, it didn't, there wasn't really a lot of difference in it in the Baptist church. The, the pastor preached the same hellfire, brimstone, hot messages. And we sang just as loud and just as, with as much gusto. But my Aunt Cora was a shouting person. And she'd shout. And she'd get happy. She'd get excited. And she'd go to people that needed Jesus. She wouldn't wait on them to go to the altar. She'd go to them and begin to share with them right in the service. And, we're, and I mean, I saw this stuff, but I thought, wow. I thought it was an oddity. Okay? I thought it was strange. Of course, I didn't ask my daddy about it because he stood like this, you know, and that's how you're supposed to stand. But the thing is, that's cookie cutter. That's one size fits all. That's boring, boring, boring to God because God created us all different. If God created you to stand at attention, stand at attention. Do it to the best of your ability. But if God created you to preach your hands up, act like you're trying to grab a handful of the sky. Get after it, is what I'm saying. Folks, some of us lift our hands. Some of us clap our hands. Some of us sing enthusiastically. Some sing low. They don't sing loud. Some close their eyes. Others look into heaven. Some of us have a blank look on our face. I mean, we're, we're, we're just in a different place. Some sway. Others stand perfectly still. Some sit. You know what? It's okay at eagle's wing if you want to sit and praise God. I would prefer everyone stand, but you know what? I'm not in charge. The Holy Spirit is. So if you worship better sitting down, sit down. Okay? I realize not everybody can stand up. 
for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. So it's okay. Some sit, some stand, some kneel. Some jump up and down and run around. And some never move a muscle. Man, they're, they're just, they're frozen. All of us are different. Folks, God just wants to set you free to worship Him. If you've been taught this garbage about if you draw attention to yourself, get rid of it. Listen to me. Here, here, here's what I want you to hear me say. When you are worshiping God, you've drawn a circle around yourself, and your focus is on God. You know what? You're not drawing attention to yourself. The person next to you may think you are, but they're not worshiping, so they're not qualified to give an opinion. Say, Nelson, that's a little... What are we here for? To worship. Not to critique anybody else's worship. Now, having said that, here's the deal. God is not talking about us doing flips down the aisle like we're some Olympic gymnastics person. He's not talking about swinging on light fixtures like if you're a trapeze artist. He doesn't want you to come up here and knock Jim over and take over or knock bread out from behind the drums and start beating on them when you can't carry rhythm, okay? So there is, there is some order but none of us have the right to judge someone else's style of worship. It may make us uncomfortable. I've stood beside people that were freer than me, and I was uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? But my uncomfort did not make God uncomfortable. Get, I'm going to move on because I, I, I may camp out here, and I don't want to. The problem is that person's, is what I'm saying. It's not yours. Draw the circle around yourself and just worship God. Just go after Him. Shut everything out. That's what I, I close. I worship with my eyes closed most of the time because I shut everything out and it just becomes me and God. Sometimes I don't even hear the music. That's why you do not need to follow my lead in clapping. Okay? Because I clap when I want to, not when it's on beat. All right? So I'm just telling you, don't follow me. But my point is, I'm just worshiping. I'm just worshiping. And folks, draw that circle around yourself. And if you don't feel comfortable lifting your hands, don't lift your hands. If you don't feel comfortable singing loudly, sing softly. If you don't want to clap your hands, don't clap your hands. There's nobody here telling you what you should do. All Scripture says that we are to worship Him with all our heart. You are to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all that you are. That's, what, that's the only commandment. He leaves it up to us and the way that He made us to do that with. Now, the psalm speaks of dancing. This psalm does of dancing. It speaks of rejoicing. It speaks of using instruments. It speaks of jumping for joy, using different types and different modes. And here's, here's what I call the kicker. God takes pleasure in us when we do it. He's pleased. I like that. I went to play with my granddaughter yesterday. I'm wore out today, okay? 
But you know what? In the midst of it, when she's crawling, let's wrestle, Papa. That's her favorite. Let's wrestle. And she's not, she's not wrestling. She wants to punch and, and all that kind of stuff. And I don't take a punch nearly as well as I did years ago. But, you know, I, there was a point there when I just sat and I said, this is, I like this. This is good. I could do this every day. So that's what God does when we worship. This is my baby. This is the child that I love. And he just wraps his arms around us. It's just, see what happens with worship. It, it transports you into a different place spiritually. I love what John says I, in, in the Revelation. He said, I, I was worshiping the Lord's day in the Spirit. In the, I was somewhere else. I wasn't on Patmos, the island where I make the big rocks, little rocks, every day. I was worshiping. Listen to what Psalms 22, verse 3 says. It says, you, Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned. That word enthroned literally means the one who inhabits the praises of your people. Praises of Israel. This verse means that when we praise and worship, God pitches His tent over us. He's built, when we worship, we build a foundation for Him to come down and to be with us. Then he says in this psalm that he will beautify the afflicted and bring them deliverance. I'll ask you a question this morning. Are you, are you depressed this morning? Are you struggling with something? Then lift your head up and just worship. Just worship. Are you sick this morning? Physically? Is there something wrong with you that, that the doctors, you know, they don't have an answer for They can't solve it. They can't fix it. Then lift your head up. And just worship. Are you struggling with confusion up here because there's so many things you need to do and, and you don't know how you're going to do it and you, 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 you know, it's just it's chaos? Lift up your head and start to worship. Just worship. And things will change. Folks, stop focusing on the enemy and start focusing on God. Satan is defeated. Jesus put his feet on his neck. His enemies are his footstool. And he says this in Romans, and I will soon make him your footstool. You will put your feet on him. Okay, so it's coming. Stop focusing on the enemy and start focusing on God. Folks, praise and worship is like a two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. The enemy has to flee. He cannot endure it. Over and over and over in Scripture, if you'll read it very carefully, there are these major battles that are fought. And they're, they're fought by armies, but they're won by praise and worship. City of Jericho. What does God tell the people to do? So I want you to quietly march around the city every day, one time. Then on the seventh day, I want you to march around and I want you to blow the shafars, to blow the trumpets. And then I want you to shout. What was he telling them? I want you to worship. That's, that's what they were doing. They were worshiping. And what happened? The walls fell down. Praise brought the wall down. It brought the, the barricades, the, the things that kept them from what God had promised them 
that they were to have, that's the, it brought that wall down. Is there a wall in your life this morning? Is there something that no matter how many times you butt your head against it, it doesn't move? Then begin to worship God about it. And begin to praise God in it and see if that wall doesn't come crumbling down. There's another passage that, that I just love, and I'm going to read a part of it. But King Jehoshaphat was faced by a huge army. Uh, and, and I think it was the Moabites and the Edomites and, and, the, and some more ites of some kind. But they had all gathered together. They were going to wipe Judah off the face of the map, basically. And Jehoshaphat prayed. And this is, the, this is the instructions that God gave him in Second Chronicles chapter 20. He says, Don't, Do not fear or be dismayed because the battle is not yours but God's. Can I just... I don't want to paraphrase God, but, but that's the reality of whatever battle we face. It's not really ours. You are in Christ. When you... When you came to Christ and were placed in Christ, the responsibility for your future from that moment on became God's responsibility. So if you face a battle, it's not your battle. It's God's battle. You're His kid, okay? You're His kid. And so don't be dismayed, don't fear, because the battle's not yours but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. In other words, get up. You can't just sit on your whatever and do nothing. Get up, sharpen your swords, put your armor on, march out there, get ready. And then he says this, but you need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand. And literally, it's stand firm. It's what we've been talking about. Stand and see the salvation, the deliverance of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow. Go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Then he says this, give thanks to the Lord. When you get out there, give thanks to the Lord, for His loving kindness is everlasting. That's what they begin to sing. Give thanks to the Lord. His loving kindness is everlasting. Folks, there, that appears over and over and over in the Old Testament. Whenever they worship, those are the words that they would sing. Give thanks to the Lord. We thank you. We praise you. Your love, your grace, that's what loving kindness is. Your loving kindness is forever and ever and ever. And they begin to worship. And listen to what happens. And when they begin singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against. And I'm going to stop there. Against. Against whatever enemy is coming against you. Literally, in, in that passage, they begin to, the enemy begin to fight against themselves. And they destroyed themselves. No one's, not, not one soldier on Israel's side swung their sword, shot an arrow, or threw a spear. God destroyed them. They destroyed themselves. Folks, worship confuses the enemy. Paul and Silas. I love the story of Paul and Silas. I'm glad that it wasn't me, but, but I, I'm, I love to read this story. They, they'd just been given 39 lashes. I mean, they'd been beaten almost to death. Then they'd been taken down into the darkest part of the prison. And they'd been chained, and their feet had been put in stocks. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a, a beating. I've had a hickory. Okay? I'd call it a beating. 
but I've had a hickory. I've never had this kind of beating. But the last thing on my mind when it was over was praising God, okay? And here they sit in the deepest, darkest part of the prison with all the vermin, with all the the stench, in an awful, awful place. They can hardly move. And what do they do? They just begin to sing. And it was such a beautiful sound in God's ears that God destroyed the prison so he could hear it better. He shook the walls down. He shook the chains off so they could sing louder. Folks, I'm telling you, if you'll begin to praise God in those situations and begin to worship him, the chains will fall off. They will fall off. Freedom will come. Why? Because they were willing to worship and they were willing to praise God. They, they just lifted their praise up to God and God came to their rescue. Folks, it's a potent weapon if we will just use it. And the wonderful thing, I've already said this once or twice, we can do it anywhere at any time. Nobody can keep you from praising God. They can't make a law that will keep you from praising God. They have tried all over the world throughout history. They threw the three Hebrew children into the furnace because they wouldn't bow and instead they worshipped in the flames. They put Daniel in the lion's den because he wouldn't stop worshipping and praying. Folks, in Germany, or, or not Germany, but across Europe, the Nazis tried to wipe out the worship of God. It didn't happen. In China, they tried and tried and tried. And folks, if you go to China today, the church has exploded there because of persecution. You cannot... The only person who can steal your worship and take your worship and force you not to worship is you. Is you. No one can take it away from you. But you can refuse to do it. So what do we do? What are we going to do? Well, I won't close with this passage of Scripture. It's a New Testament passage. It's in Ephesians 5, verse 18 through 21. Apostle Paul tells us this. He says, And don't get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation. But then he listen to what he says. Be filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Spirit, here are some, here are some characteristics. Here are some things that will take place. You'll speak to one another in psalms. Well, what are psalms? Psalms are Old Testament songs. Right out of the hymn book. Okay? Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody. Now listen to what he says. Not with your mouth, but with your heart. You see, it has to start here before it can be here. It's got to be in here before it can be on my lips. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Folks, if you want God to show up in your life and you want Him to pitch His tent in whatever situation you're facing, worship Him. Just praise Him. If you want to drown out and silence the enemy's voice, just start praising God. He can't shout higher than your praise. No matter how low your praise is, He can't shout that high. Just start praying. Use this weapon. And folks, it will change your life individually. It will change the life of this church corporately. We have to use this weapon. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at 
www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.